Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. This is episode number 221 of the Red Leg Nation Radio podcast. Joining me again today, as he has many, many times, your friend and mine, my guy Bill Locke. How are you today, Bill? I'm great. It, I think if I if I read what you posted the last time about this, this is my anniversary. Oh, I think you're right. If I counted I correctly, is, I think this is episode 100. Number 100. Did you buy me a gift? Uh, actually, no. You know what? I think this is 101. Well, if you count if you count the Chris Welch interview, I guess it's true. Which I do count. So I think that was probably your uh, and a very good one. If y'all haven't listened to uh, Bill's uh, discussion with Chris Welch from a couple weeks ago, fantastic. Uh, and Chris. Chris man, he doesn't pull punches, does he? I mean, he's uh, and and he, and he looked pretty. Uh, he looks pretty smart after yesterday. Does he not? Does he not? Yeah, and we're gonna. So we're let's, g- why don't we start with that? Okay, so we're gonna talk about the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Is that where we're uh, we're going? No, no, no? I, I got enough pain. They play tonight. <laughs> they do. Yeah, let's start with uh, with Robert Stevenson, and of course, everybody knows Robert Stevenson. Robert Stevenson, the former first round pick. Uh, 25 years old at this point, um, had been putting up pretty good numbers the last couple months in AAA. He put up decent numbers last year in the last couple months of the season, if you recall, but didn't yep. make didn't make the opening day rotation, and uh, which was uh, you know kind of curious, I guess, but not really that surprising. But the fact that here we are in the middle of August and he's just now getting his first start in the big leagues, I'd been for a couple months, and I wrote a piece for Cincinnati Magazine saying, come on, get him up here. This is the year where the Reds aren't going to the playoffs this year. Let's see what he's got. Let's see if he's somebody we can count on. And they just, the Reds refused to call him up. And I had been pretty critical of uh, of that refusal, frankly. Um, you know, we're watching Matt Harvey and, and Homer Bailey uh, pitch, and then we can't watch Robert Stevenson this year of all years. It makes no sense, made no sense to me. And, uh, and Stevenson finally came up, and he did something off the field that makes me want to apologize to the Cincinnati Reds and, and sort of makes me understand why they were so hesitant to call him up. But anyway, he pitched. He wasn't great. I mean, he wasn't awful, but he did walk five guys. He um, was pretty awful. Did, did you watch? I, I, you know, I was coming in and out. I didn't really get to watch him. I just saw the stats later and, and everything. I saw the, 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 the inning where I think it was a walk, a hit, an intentional walk, a four-pitch walk to the pitcher in which he didn't throw anything but breaking balls. Yeah, walks walks in a run by yeah. by walking the pitcher on with, four breaking balls. <laughs> and I mean, he he's got a good fastball. I saw something today where they had his pitch, his you know his pitch breakdown, and he didn't throw any fastballs. What's that all about? I I, I don't know what is crawling around in this kid's head. Uh, you know, and 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 I think the, the, the point you're you're heading to. Here, is what he is what you know you quoted me off air what what he had said in the paper today which i had i had read but i, I kind of forgotten how he put it yeah well let me let me read the exact quote and then i'll get your reaction to this um robert stevenson talking about uh walks to john fay the cincinnati Enquirer. here's a quote i think the biggest thing for me is that it's part of my game i realize i walk people and obviously want to cut that but i'm not going to change anything just to avoid walking people that, that's a direct quote from the mouth of Robert Stevenson, who's trying to convince the Reds to give him a spot in the Major League rotation. Now, what's your reaction to that? Well, I, I, I'm now calling him Homer 2. 
Ooh. Un- uncoachable. Doesn't listen to anybody. Knows better than anybody. Now, we may be completely wrong, and it's not fair to judge this kid on one quote. But that's idiotic. It is, it's completely ludicrous. When what, what kills me is this is a kid who, I know he's a first-round pick, and he's uh, sort of been the glory child for so many years, but um, he's been told over and over that if you want to pitch for the Cincinnati Reds, you got to cut down on the walks. And he has learned absolutely nothing from that except that, whatever, I got here doing it my way, I'm going to keep doing it my way. I mean, that's, that's the way that reads to me. Yeah, I mean, and you had said that his, he had cut down on his walks this year, but he was still averaging four and a half walks per nine. But the last two months since he went strictly to the stretch, he was pitching completely out of the stretch, he had cut his walk numbers. That's two months, so it's not a huge sample size. But Yeah, um, we had uh, Billy, Billy, Billy Hamilton hit well for two months. Slow so. your roll here, Chief. We're not going to talk bad about Billy Hamilton today. But, you know, you and I were exchanging text messages, I think it was yesterday, and, and we both – can't figure out why our guys don't ever seem to get any better. It sure seems that way. These young guys. And whether it's minor league coaching, whether they draft a bunch of head cases that, that don't listen, I, you know, we're not in a position to answer that question. But but Chris Welsh was talking in that in the interview we did last week that one of the things he likes about you know, he says the Reds don't ever want to have to send a guy back to the minors. And he sees that differently. He sees it as a motivational tool. And I, I tend to agree with Chris. Yeah. But when they get sent back to the minors, they never seem to get any better. They come back up and they're doing the same dumbass thing they were doing before they got sent down. Especially with the pitchers. Yeah, I, yeah more, I think more so the pitchers than the, than the other guys. Um, and and, and uh, as for Stevenson, I, I, like I said, I'm not ready to – Pull the shade on this kid. No, I mean he pitched well at the end of last year. He's still only twenty five, but somebody needs to just take him out the back of the, uh, the clubhouse and whoop the crap out of him. <laughs> you know, well the Reds tried two years ago. Delano DeShields was managing in Louisville, and uh, and he said publicly, "I've got his yeah. quote pulled up too." This is that. this is what we've been going through with this kid for the last three or four years. Remember, this is two years ago. This is what we've been going through with this kid for the last three or four years. Until he makes an adjustment, it's going to continue. It's not going to get better. It's on him. He's been told what he needs to do and what he needs to work on by numerous coaches and staff members. It's up to him to make those adjustments. If I was him, I'd be embarrassed. Fast forward two years and then read Robert Stevenson's quote from this week. He has learned not one thing. And uh, I, it, it makes you wonder whether that big contract, that they get one, they're a number one. You never know how they're going to respond, do you? Exactly. And that's something else Chris kind of talked about, and not, not specifically about number one draft picks, but about big contracts. And he, he was more talking about Scooter Jeanette, but it applies to any of these guys that get big money, you know, once they get big money. Not hungry. Yeah, well, you know, there are guys that continue to feed off that, and there are guys that, you know, that are like tenured professors. Yeah. You know, I got my tenure, I don't have to do anything anymore. Right. And and really, with these young kids, you don't know which is going to be which when you take them. Because well, because they're so young, right? I mean, this kid was 19 years old when they when they got him in 2012. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it, it, it's extremely frustrating to, to see it happening again and again and again. Well, and 
and I just I really do feel like I need to apologize publicly to uh, to Red's management on this point. Uh, I'm right about almost everything, but on this one, I still think I'm right. But um, as some <laughs> someday I'm going to make a mistake. I'm sure. Is she is she laughing as hard as I am? <laughs> yes, pretty much. Um, but 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 seriously. I, I sort of hammered management for not bringing him up, and I still think they should have brought him up in this year. But let's see what he's got. But I absolutely 100% now understand why the Reds have been so hesitant to call Robert Stevenson up, and, and I can't say I blame him. I mean, if this is guy. If this is the same attitude two years after getting just chewed out publicly by the organization, and, and, they don't, and, and there are, and I don't know, I can't speak to other teams. But I can't remember the Reds ever doing that to a minor league guy. Never. And at the time, I thought, oh, that's – I thought it was a bad look for the Reds. I mean, I thought that's something that should have been behind closed doors and, you know. And maybe it had been. I, I, I think it's becoming clear that it had been, and it has been continually. And he's just – and he's still – he, he literally said, I'm not going to change anything. He literally used those words. And so, you know, I'm not giving up on him. I think he's got all the talent in the world. Um he has pitched well the last couple months. I, I'm not going to base my opinion on one start, what he did yesterday. But or on fr- one quote. What's that? Or on one quote. Or on one quote, but I'm also on the uh, the flip side of it is I'm not optimistic about him, and I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to advocate for him anymore because I can't defend that, uh, you know, it, it's like a big man on campus, you know. I do whatever I want to do, and I just, you know, whatever. Dude, well, when it, it comes it, it's to me, I, I know more than you do yeah. about me. So, you know, I'm not going to listen to you. Yeah. And when it comes to the big leagues, buddy, I'm telling you what, it's been proven over 100-plus years of the game, you can't walk people and be successful long-term. Period. These are the best hitters in the world. So good luck with that. Yeah, and guys that you're getting out of triple, you ain't getting out in the bigs. Yeah, you can get away with it in the minors. You're not getting away with it against the best hitters in the world. Now I'm mad. Uh, let me circle back to something you said a moment ago about because I thought of you today. Uh, we did have that conversation via text about uh, you know it seems like some of these young guys just don't seem to really improve. Uh, yeah, Stevenson, Cody Reed, uh, you name a bunch of these pitchers. Um, I'd like to see Cody Reed get another shot in the big leagues too, but I, I'm wary of uh, advocating for anyone at this point. But um, <laughs> your, your ability's kind of low. I'm a little bit gun shy. <laughs> but uh, Doug Gray, you know Doug Gray, uh, RedsMinorLeagues.com, and he writes for Red Lake Nation as well uh, every week. Um, he had a sort of a scoop today, and I'm I'm dropping this on you. I don't you, you may not have seen it yet, um, but evidently, evidently uh, Jeff Grope, I think, say you pronounce his name, the Reds uh, minor league director, farm system guru. I can't remember his exact title, but anyway, he's uh, supposedly. The Reds had a big conference call today, and supposedly he's going to be reassigned within the organization. They're looking for a new farm director. And so, you know, I don't know. That that, that may be a part of why, but it's really interesting that the Reds are looking to shake things up because it's certainly true that, especially on the pitching side of it, the, 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 the young studs have not really panned out, and they were kind of they were kind of planning on these guys, some of these guys panning out anyway to, to push this rebuild forward. And so... And, and I've not given up on him. I still think Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley are going to be great. I really do. I think they're going to be two, number two, number three starters, um, which are which is good. But uh, but it's sort of maddening 
the way that none of these guys have really taken a big step forward. And with all the talent that some of these guys have had, you would expect some of them to. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'll tell you what concerns me about this, and I'm, I'm glad I'm looking at Doug's article while you're, while you're talking. Um, this will be the second dramatic change in the front office of this team in the year before they were supposed to be competitive. It's a big deal, yeah. If that don't scare the crap out of me. I don't know who does. And you're I, t- I don't know what will. You're talking about Dick Williams, the GM, being moved to director of uh, or president of baseball operations. I think. Yeah, and we don't know what that change really meant. No, and Nick Crawl being installed as GM. Yeah, um, I mean, I, whether that had any substantive change in the way this organization works, could have just been that somebody else wanted to uh, get interview Nick Crawl for position, and the Reds wanted to keep him, and so yeah. they shuffled things. I mean, you know, we don't know. They gave him a title in lieu of a raise, or a little raise, and a big right. title, or, or whatever. You remember Crawl? He talked to us there uh, at the that Red Leg Nation gathering we had. Yep. And uh, bright guy answered my Brandon Phillips question. <laughs> You've always got a Brandon Phillips question. <laughs> you saw you saw he got thrown out at Louisville the other day, right? Yeah, um, we tried and to get it from the ball game. We uh, I don't have the full story on this yet, so I'm going to wait until Jason Linden can share it. But we tried to get an interview with uh, Brandon Phillips before that game, and uh, yeah, it it didn't happen. <laughs> I don't know this. I'm not going to speculate. Oh, he went, oh yeah, that's that Bill guy. <laughs> I'm not going to speculate, but I, but I am and blaming you 100%. Yes. Um, hey, well, he's tearing up AAA. You know, oh, bless his heart. You know, um, that's a Southern thing. Bless his heart. <laughs> well, he's a Georgia guy, so he'd understand Brandon would. Um, you know, that's got to be for a guy like him with an ego like his. And, again, I, I'm not being critical of Brandon Phillips. He had a really good career for the Cincinnati Reds. He's going to be in the Reds Hall of Fame someday. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not talking about his Reds career. But, man, for a guy that made a couple of all-star teams and has the ego that he has, I mean, no one, that's not a criticism. Everyone knows about the ego he has. Be playing in AAA for Paul Tuckett. That's got to be and tough. He's not playing well. Right. Right. There's a, there's a reason why no one offered him a contract in the offseason. Yeah. So, anyway, I didn't, yeah. I didn't really get us on to Brandon. But. Well, how did you do that? Somehow you always turn it back around to Brandon Phillips. That's right. Billy Hamilton and Brandon Phillips, my whipping guys. Stop that. <laughs> One of those is a player that I actually like. I know. Um, anyway. Yeah, anyway. The front office stuff is... It, 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 it's curious. At least from outside appearances, it's concerning. Yeah. We have no uh, knowledge of anything, but... It's not the stability you would expect to see. Plus, the fact that every time Jim Riggleman talks about some kind of roster move or something, he always says, I'm going to uh, sit down tonight with Nick, Nick Crawl and Walt Jockety. Yep. He always mentions Walt. Why is Walt Jockety still in the room? I do not know. I get, you know, I, Why isn't he in St. Louis or wherever the hell he lives just yeah. collecting his paycheck via you know direct deposit? Uh, let me tell you what I think. And this is complete, well, it's not complete speculation. It is speculation, but it's based on, uh, it's, I guess it's educated speculation. I really, truly, 100% in my heart believe, and I, maybe I'm wrong, I've never been wrong before, but it'll happen someday. I believe, I believe that that is another example of the fact that ownership is far too involved in the day-to-day management of the baseball operations. Bob Castellini and Walt Jockety are close. That's why Walt's still involved everywhere. And it's why, you know, 
so many things we see on the field seem to be at odds with what Dick Williams and Nick Crawl say publicly. Um, that, now, that's my opinion. The, other than the quote, the, the Dick Williams quote that you, you just sprung on me when we were off air. Well, and let's, let's go back to the trade deadline. Let's do that, and that'll be a way to get into uh, that quote. The Reds made one deal. Uh, Pretty good deal, I thought. I, I, I think it's way too early to tell. I, I mean, they weren't giving up anything that was going to be a building block for this team. And, and you know, you got guys, you know, they got you know a couple of guys that, that may help them at some point. It'll be two years before what you know what you got, I think. Yeah, but the fact they got anything. I think the Lucas Sims kid that's a pitcher in AAA now, I think just him who has a chance to help the next team is more than uh, Adam Duvall was going to going to give. And I guess, again, we're not criticizing Adam Duvall, who had a fun Reds career and always uh, – It seemed of, like a good guy. And, yeah. You know. But uh, I think but, the fact they were dealing, able to deal him for anything is says something. And what else says something to me is that he only started like one of his first nine games with the Braves. So, you know, the Reds might have been the only team that was going to be willing to give him a starting spot. So the fact that the Reds gave him – or uh, got something in exchange for him. That, that's pretty good to me. I'm okay with that. But that's the only but, thing they did. And you and you and I talked about you know all year long the fact that he was taking playing appearances away from Jesse Winker just made absolutely no sense. No, no, no sense at all. But but now going back to Dick Williams' quotes, he said uh, with respect to the Duvall deal that the reason this deal uh, was made is because that Winker, uh, Jesse Winker, and Scott Shebler had shown that they are. Uh, sort of the the guys that that the Reds want to count on as their corner outfielders. And so I thought that was good because uh, that, that's and, and immediately afterwards we lose Winker for the year and Shevler for God knows how long. Maybe the year uh, if we're figuring it out. It would not me either, but right, yeah, of course. But still, it's the right decision. Winker and Shevler are the two the two uh, better outfielders in that. Uh, and I tell you what, uh, Irvin's hitting the crap out of the ball. God, but have you seen him try to hit a cutoff man? It's brutal. I haven't seen him hit a cutoff, man. Yeah, he's never hit one. But he is absolutely hitting like the guy we sort of hoped he'd be when he was a high, I mean, high draft pick. Play, I mean, it's only 26 games or 37 games in. I mean, he doesn't even have 100 plate appearances yet, but you can't ask for more than he's done with you know, thus far offensively. With Winker and Shebler hurt, uh, why isn't Philip Irvin playing every day? I do not know. You know, I don't understand the Mason Williams, and he and he's playing well. He's I mean, fine. Oh yeah, but, but he's he's another guy that's not going to be a yeah. guy. And, and I think the same thing about this Preston Tucker guy that we yeah. got in the Duval deal. Can they help you? Yeah, but if you're running them out there every day, you're in big trouble. Exactly. Yeah, I don't have a problem with either of those guys being a bench guy. And that may be what Philip. Matter of fact, I think that is what Philip Irvin is ultimately. But man, why not use this year where the Reds are not really competing? Why not use this year as a chance to let Philip Irvin play every day and show us what he's got? Maybe he'll prove us wrong. I don't. I just don't get it. I don't. I don't yeah. understand it. I'll tell you what. Before I play, you know, uh, so, you know, Tucker or something, I throw Herrera out there. Please. And, and, and it, you know, because there's been talk. I mean, they they they've talked all year that they think this kid can hit. He can hit. He's shown everywhere he's been. Dilson Herrera, we're talking about for those. He was he, he was part of of one of the worst innings of baseball the Reds have I, I've ever seen the Reds play yeah. the other night against the Mets. <laughs> That's was, saying something. It was the dumbest inning I've ever seen. <laughs> they come up, they're down two in the eighth. And they give them a five pitch, three out inning. Three of the three of the pitches were three strikes by 
Dilson Herrera. The other one was a first pitch fly ball out by Tucker Barnhart, and I, somebody else flew out on a first pitch. You're down by two runs, and you don't take a freaking pitch. I mean, that's just idiot. I, I mean, I wouldn't have t- I wouldn't have taken that from my little leaguers when I was coaching. I agree, but but then again, to be fair, your little league team when you were coaching could probably beat the Reds. I mean, you know, let's be honest. Um, yeah, I agree. But now, uh, with respect to Her- Dilson Herrera, though, he hit he's hit everywhere he's been when he's been healthy. You yeah. know, and he's not hitting great right now because he's only had 24 at-bats, but he's got two home runs in those 24 at-bats. I mean, this is a guy, again, same thing as Philip Irvin. He has, Herrera has no more options. they got to make a decision on him. Why isn't he playing, you know, right. two out of every three games at least? Yeah, your, your, your control is you know is up. You're either going to have to keep him on your major league roster next year. That's and, a, yeah. that's, you know what? Let me go back to something else that Chris Welsh said in that interview. And I thought this was really interesting. He said, I don't know if you caught this, but he was talking about Lou Pinella said after the 1990 season, what was the biggest mistake he made? Did you hear, catch that? I don't remember it. It's been a week and a half since I listened to it. He said he didn't turn over 25% of the roster. Yeah. He said, you should turn over 25% of your roster every year. The Reds haven't turned 25% of their roster over over three years. It <laughs> seems like it. Um, and, and, and I just and, and what really made me think of that was because when the Reds were playing the Phillies, I think they said the Phillies have five guys that were on that team last year. What place are the Phillies in? Uh, I don't know if they're still in first. But, but they're, they're up there. They're a little bit higher than the Reds are. He kills me. They're not afraid. They're not afraid to make decisions. Well, same with the Atlanta Braves. The Reds, Braves, and Phillies started their rebuilds at the exact same time, literally. But the you know the Braves will call up guys that are 21 years old. The Phillies, you're right. They're not. They're just not afraid. They're willing to do what it takes. The Reds. You can't be afraid to fail. You're not going to succeed if you're too afraid to fail. Well, if the owner demands that your center fielder has to play. Yeah. Well. I mean, really. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. If your owner loves Scooter Jeanette, and I like Scooter Jeanette, I, actually I love Scooter. I'm, I'm, I have nothing but good things to say about Scooter Jeanette. He's been great. Uh, but if this, and this is not a, some people have said, oh, it's a backup quarterback syndrome. You know, you just want to see Irvin and Herrera because you know everybody says the backup quarterback is always going to be better. No, I mean, I'm just like, I, I don't know. I want to know. I want to see these well, guys. If 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 Shebler and and Winker were still healthy. We wouldn't be saying this exactly because I, I want to see I want to see Winker and Shepard, but you got an opportunity to play these guys. Yeah, you've got two big holes in your outfield right now, huge, humongous, gaping holes, and and you could say three if you want to count Billy Billy Hamilton in center. But we're not who's going to no. Down to hit two twenty seven, and his on base percentage is now back under three hundred. No, I don't think that's true. Percentage is just above three hundred. No, I'm pretty sure that's not true. You're making things up. I do. I make things up all the time. Yeah, don't lie about Billy Hamilton. I'm going to uh, put up with it on our podcast. And, and, the other, and while I'm on Billy, I'm going to, I'm going to say one no, more. No, no, don't. I don't know why, when he got so defensive about stealing bases. I wonder about that, too. I don't know whether somebody said something to him, whether he got tired of getting banged up, sliding into second base. You know, I mean, he only weighs, what, 150 pounds? I mean... I honestly don't know how big he is, but he's not a very big. This says 160 pounds here on baseball reference. <laughs> that was after um, eating a particularly big meal. Well, and, and I always tell this joke. I, you know, I, I saw Billy play in Dayton, 
you know, when he was just a pup. <laughs> right. And, and he honestly looked like he was wearing his dad's uniform and like the belt went around him twice. <laughs> I mean, that's how little he was. And he's not, he's not growing much. What it is. And Chris brought it up in that interview that, that, that he says that he thinks that's the reason they're butting Billy to second is because he won't steal second. Well, maybe. Okay. Uh, but, <sighs> but then you put your foot in his ass. I agree. That that's that's not the way to do it by making a dumb decision. Jim Brugman, at least five times I can think of, has called for a bunt, a sacrifice bunt with Billy Hamilton on first base. And, and it, I, I brought that up in the interview. You know, if, if right, I know, and it's a, it's a good, uh, and, and I, I don't know that I disagree with uh, with Welsh's opinion on that, but you're exactly right. If that's the case, and I love Billy Hamilton just because I, I'm irrational about Billy Hamilton, and I can see that I'm, you know, I, I wear my biases on my sleeve. But if the reason why you're trying to bunt him to second is because he refuses to steal, sit his butt on the bench. Yep. It, and, and you tell him when you're ready to play the way we need you to play, you come and let me know. Well, here's what I say to him, and I'm the biggest Billy Hamilton supporter on earth, other than his mom. Billy Hamilton, you cannot hit. That's why we're batting you ninth. But you can help this team if you just play defense the way you play it and if you run like crazy when you're on the base paths. And yep. now be smart. you got to keep it above a 75% uh, you know, stolen base rate. Don't get caught uh, a lot. But if you do what you've done your whole career, you help this team by taking those bases. And, um, and, and if you're not willing to do that, then you're, I'm sorry. You're so, not helping us. We'll put Philip Irvin out there. We'll put Mason Williams out there. He's 27 out of 31 in stolen bases this year. And I don't know. I'm sure there's somewhere you can look up, you know, which bases he's stolen. But I bet you he hasn't stolen second half of the time. Well, with him, his whole value is in his defense and his base running. And when you take away part of the base running, which is the yep. stolen bases, then it really diminishes the value he can have. I think he can be a starting center fielder for a good team. is limited to begin with. It is. And if he wants to limit it further – Willingly, right? I mean, I think I, I really think he could be a starting center fielder on a good team, but he's got to maximize his defensive and base running value because he's as good as anybody in the majors in those areas. Yep. Um, so Don't disagree. Yeah, we uh, we got off topic. I, I always yeah, try to avoid. So, so, so we're still at the trading deadline. We're still at the trade deadline. They did not trade it's Billy true. Hamilton. They didn't trade anybody other than Duvall. And and, and the Matt Har not not dealing Matt Harvey just makes absolutely no sense to me. I would have taken. A bag of balls and, and, and two bench shit cans. Literally anything, because all you, yeah, I mean, nah. you have to be able to get more than what you would have gotten for Devin Miserocco, who they traded him for, who was a backup catcher. Uh, we love Devin. Big fan of Devin. Friend, friend of the podcast. Mm -hmm. But, you know, his his value after all the injuries was not great. So you really only had to get something for him to justify trading him. And uh, the Reds did not trade him. Now, how surprised were you? that the Reds did not trade Matt Harvey. I was very surprised. I was out of the country, and my phone started blowing up when the trade deadline passed. Just about Matt Harvey not getting traded. Yeah. I, 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 and, and I, I mean, even, again, going back to the interview with Chris, Chris said he you know, was you know, adamant about the fact that he thought he'd be gone. He was the only guy that really had to be traded, I thought. Right, he he was the guy that he was the guy that it made no sense to hold on to. Yeah, you could justify keeping any of these other guys, even Duvall. Anybody, anybody that thinks that they're going to have Matt Harvey next year is kidding themselves. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people kidding themselves on Twitter.com. Let me just tell you that right now. 
I mean, what do they think? They think the Reds are going to pay? For one thing, if, if the Reds go out and sign a free agent, he ain't the guy I want him to sign. Yeah, I want the Reds to sign a guy. I want him to spend some money. <laughs> yeah, I want him to bring somebody in that's, that's going to go, you know, 15 and 6 with, with a 3 ERA. You don't want him to sign a guy who's about to be 30 years old who's had sh- surgeries on his elbow and his shoulder? You don't. That's not the guy you want him to sign? That's not the guy I want. Just sign Homer Bailey to an extension and get it over with. <laughs> I mean, really, that's what you're asking us to do is to sign another Homer Bailey. Uh, just, and, and that's not to say that Harvey hasn't been effective for the most part for the Reds. He has. Right, exactly. But you're not judging him on what he's doing right now. You're judging him on how can he help the team going forward. And he can't. After this year, because he's not going to be here. He won't be here exactly. So <laughs> that gets us back to another quote from uh, my buddy Dick Williams, another friend of the podcast. Let's concede. Um, and he had a quote that was sort of read uh, uh, kind of widely by some people as being a defense of not trading Matt Harvey. And my piece at Cincinnati Magazine, which I'd ask everybody to go look at, um, that was published today kind of tries to justify that. And we'll talk about why I think he can justify this quote. But think about this quote, first of all, as a defense of not trading Matt Harvey. Here's what Dick Williams said. We're pleased with the performance we've seen in the middle of the summer. The winning vibe and the winning culture that has been present recently is something we've been looking for. We see this as a club that is competing with the best teams right now. We don't want to do anything to disrupt it. So if you read that as a defense of not trading Matt Harvey, which is basically... We need Matt Harvey to help us over the next two months because we've got this winning vibe all of a sudden. Completely ridiculous. I mean, is there any way to justify that in the context of not trading Matt Harvey? Here's my response to that. (laughs) That was actually... My intellectual response to that. That was less profane than I expected. Um. It sounds like he's making a decision on the future of this team based on the past month or six weeks or however long they played well. Yeah. And since they came out of the All-Star break, they've stunk. So what happened to his winning culture? <laughs> you know, I, I know what happened to it. It went down with, with Shebler and and Winker and now Votto's, you know, gimping around and, and you know, to a lesser extent, uh, uh, Scooter's kind of come back to earth a little bit. Uh, Joey hasn't taken off. Even before Joey got hit in the leg the other day, he hasn't really taken off in the second half like we hoped. And he's still mad. I mean, it's, he's still got a month a month and a half left. But winning cult, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> okay, I'm going to defend him because I think I know what he meant. Um, at the time he made the statement, Six week, the six weeks prior to the trade deadline, the Reds had the best record in the National League. Did you know that? 26 and 15. Had won 13 of 18 games against first-place clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they promptly lost about 40 out of 41 since the All-Star break. Out of, those aren't exact numbers. And, and you know That's the what it feels like. What's that? You went out of the country. <laughs> Don't ever do that again. As soon as I got back, they started playing awful. They went from bad to awful. I know, right? Um, yeah, I'm going out of the country again. I can guarantee you that one. Uh, this was my first time uh, out of uh, first time in Europe, anyway, and uh, I'm going back um, if I can ever afford to. Need some more of this sweet podcast money that we're not making any money actually right now. So if anybody wants to fund my next trip, uh, send me some money. Okay, so here's what I say. 
if that is really a, if, if Williams really did mean that as a, a defense of the decision not to trade Matt Harvey, it is completely ludicrous. I just say that off the top. Matt Harvey's not going to pitch for the Reds in 2019, as you just said. Keeping him around for two more months just because they played better since he arrived in town just would be seriously short-sighted. I mean, I, but I can't believe that Dick Williams, who's a smart guy, or Nick Crawl, who's a smart guy, really, truly, really, truly meant that. Now, did Bob Castellini say, I want to keep him around? Possibly. He's certainly done that with other people, Billy Hamilton, Brandon Phillips. Um, but what about this? I, I want to get your reaction to this. I think that his statement, that quote, can be read as sort of a good sign. The Reds have been rebuilding. And we'll try to put this uh, as succinctly as I can and, and see if you can get where I'm going. While the Reds were rebuilding, we always hoped... We knew that at the time they started to become a competitive team, there would be a shift in the culture, quote-unquote culture. So um, as the Reds emerged from the rebuilding process, the expectations around the team would, would change too. We always knew that. It seems to me that Williams is sort of signaling that uh, losing in the, uh, losing in the uh, effort to conduct this rebuild, uh, that's no longer to be ex- expected that we are expected to watch a winning team now. And my opinion is, I think you can defend not trading anyone else because I think uh, you can, any of those other guys could, you can make an argument they could help the Reds going forward. So the way I, the way I read it is this. If they think there's a winning culture right now, okay, good, I'll accept that. You better do everything you can to make sure that winning culture sticks around. You need to be doing everything necessary to ensure that the right pieces are in place for that culture to be around a team next year that can compete for a playoff spot. Um, He said, this is a team that can compete with the best teams going forward. Okay, fine. That's what I expect now. That's what you've told me to expect. So now go deliver on that. Does does that make sense? Am I I completely off base? I I see what you're saying. I I think you're giving... I think you're giving them too much credit for foresight. The other, the other thing is, and, and I know what you're talking about with Castellini, but I think by pushing the, the onus on him, you could also be taking some of the, the pressure off of the front office. And we don't really know where the blame lies. We don't. Um, except for the fact that we, we you know, and, and we've never heard Castellini actually make the quotes that, he, that have been attributed to him. The ones like about Billy Hamilton, they've always been second source. Well, that's true. That's true. From what, from what I understand, the ones I've read, they've never been in the paper. Bob Castellini told John Fay that, you know, he wants Billy Hamilton to play here forever. Yeah. You know, it, it was somebody else said that he, you know, that Castellini said. You know what I mean? Right. But, you know, the, I'm not sure that I, the, any of them were from sources that I don't believe, but, but you're, your point's right. Your point's here, right. Here's the other thing. If we're talking about a cultural change, what, what? How is that culture going to be affected by the train wreck that the rest of the 2018 season is going to be? Because if you don't think this team is going to stink from here to the end of the year, you're kidding yourself. Well, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. If Shebler gets back and Votto gets healthy. I don't think. I, I think they can be a 500 I, team the rest of the way. I, 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 don't, I don't believe that. 
Okay. I, I hope I'm wrong. I always hope I'm wrong when I say these kinds of things. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. We're Reds fans, right? We want them to win every game. And, 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 and continuing on the thought, if if they if they continue to struggle for the rest of the year, should Riggleman even be considered for this team for next year? And I'm just not saying this to you. I'm kind of saying it's all these guys that were saying they ought to just take the interim away from him. Right. The manager next year. Well, you were saying that when they were playing well. Well, now they're not playing well. Now there are reasons for that that aren't are his fault. Right. But if you're if you're going to take the the glory when you're winning, you got to take the the grief when you're losing. Yeah, you're the guy. You're the guy. My opinion hasn't changed. Let him be a candidate for the job, but interview everybody that you you can interview that has you know has a has a good reputation that you think can be a good manager. Interview all of them, and if Jim Rogelman's the best one out of that group, hire him. He's not going to be the best one out of that group if you really truly make a, a nationwide search. So, um, yeah, I've I've got very little regard for Jim Rogelman's abilities. He has not been successful anywhere, and he hasn't all of a sudden learned to manage just because he got with a team that suddenly got healthy when he became the manager. Yeah. So, but back to Dick Williams and, and Bob Castellini, I don't know. It's all, it's speculation on my part. I don't know. You're right. But if Castellini is meddling more than he should, it sure does answer a lot of questions that I have about some of the moves with the Reds that I've been completely baffled about. It would, it would be an, it would be a, uh, a quick and easy answer to why the Reds have done some of the things they've done. And, uh, again, maybe I'm giving Dick Williams too much credit because he's come on the podcast and, you know, every once in a while he sends me a text message and he's a nice guy and I like him. And he went to UVA, which is the best uh, undergraduate college in the world. And so I'm, maybe I'm – I'll concede that maybe I'm biased. I try not to be. I work really hard to try to be uh, get, be objective. <laughs> But I'm, I'm listen. I'll, I'll tell you my biases up, up front here. Okay, judge me by what I say. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I don't understand many of the things this team has done in the last eight months. This front office, and it does not jibe with some of the things that Dick Williams and Nick Crawl have said publicly. And so I wonder if either they're just telling us things we want to hear publicly and then going off and doing crazy stuff, or if there's some external force that they can't mention. Well, when you when you had your opportunity to, to talk to them. Do you do you brace them with this exact question? Uh, if, if and when I have a chance to talk to them next, absolutely. Okay. And and, and, and as a matter of fact, just to, you know, I have asked uh, some of these questions and um, haven't got an answer just yet. Let's just let's just leave it at that. You kind of get the the, the the sideways look. And they'll you know just. Uh, <sighs> Well, and, here, and here's the other, and here's the other, the other point to this this thing. Let's assume you're correct. You should always assume I'm correct, Bill Lack. <laughs> I'm surprised your wife doesn't just bury you in the backyard. Oh, we just had our wedding anniversary. Can you believe she stuck out another year? Well, you do live out in the sticks. She doesn't really have anywhere to go. <laughs> I'll tell her you said that. Um, the the thing if if your if your hypothesis is correct, this team is screwed. Yes, 
<laughs> and there ain't another way of looking at it. I think you're right, and that, that's what worries me. Um, I hope that's not true. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's either your front office is just making dumb decisions, or there's some reason they're making dumb decisions, and that's the ownership. Or your, or your ownership is is so inept that they don't know the level of their incompetence. I think either way is probably bad news for the Cincinnati Reds going forward, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. But but one can be fixed with, with changes in the front office. That's a lot easier than changing ownership. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, let me ask you this question, because this is something I, that uh, we tweeted from the Red Lake Nation account last night. Uh, John Fay, uh, and we like John. We love John. Uh, another friend of the podcast. We need to get John back on. Uh, I need to do that. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I've told you, I've known John for, gosh, how long have I known John? Forever. Almost 40 years. Yeah, so we need to get John back I, I on. John, I met John in like 80 two or 83, I guess. Man, I wasn't, wasn't even born then. He, he lived downstairs. For, I, I think I told this story. He lived with, I lived in a two family house and I lived on the second floor and, and the owner lived on the first floor. And for a while, John lived with the guy that lived on the, on the first floor. He was, he was a roommate of the guy on the first floor. They, they were both elder boys. Went to elder high school here in Cincinnati. And he became uh, the beat writer for the Cincinnati Enquirer and you became a uh, world famous podcast host. And, and yeah, and then the guy that owned the house was a, and I think he still is a track coach at Elder High School. Oh, really? Yeah. Um. Anyway, John Fay said something about how, uh, you know, who do you want as an ace? He said, I don't think the Reds are going to be willing to pay in the off season what it would take to get an ace in here. And uh, I was manning the Red Lake Nation Twitter account that night, and I tweeted out, "Okay, if that's the case, then the Reds are not serious." about about improving. If they're, they're not serious about winning. If they're unwilling to dish out what it takes because they're in the major leagues and uh, there's a, there's a you know, uh, you got to ante up. And so ticket-buying fans should take note if the Reds refuse to improve the team this offseason by spending some money. Well, again, going back to the, the interview with Chris, when you're talking about an ace, how many aces are there? They're not 30. They're 30 teams, and there's not 30 aces out there. Do you think there's 15? Maybe. 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 So, and, and, and I guess by ace, we're talking about a guy that's a clear-cut number one starter, correct? Yeah. Who's the last ace we had? Johnny Cueto. Yes. And before that? A legit ace. Before that? Jose Rio? Probably Jose Rio. I mean, that, that's a long time. Uh, maybe, maybe Elmer Descends. Danny Jackson? <laughs> Danny Jackson. Oh, we've had one guy since Cueto, haven't we? Who's it? Who, who you would call an ace? You don't think so? Luis Alberto. Oh, here he goes. Bonilla. I'm not gonna. I, I don't play your game. <laughs> I, I, I refuse to play. Oh, here he goes. <laughs> That's the best quote in the history of Red Lake Nation Radio. Oh, here he goes. <laughs> oh, I want every, I want everyone. When you hear that, I want you to tweet at uh, at me or at the Red Leg Nation at Red Leg Radio, Red Leg Nation Radio account. Um, no, here he goes. <laughs> here he goes. Um, I love it. But uh, but, but you're but, right. aces. There aren't many. Go out and get that number one, and and I think I don't think they will either. That doesn't mean they can't. They won't improve the team. Well, but I don't want money to be. I want to, see. I want to see them come in here next year with, with where you can say, okay, this team is better, and here's why. 
the, what I meant by it was, I don't want money to be the reason. If you want to compete in the major leagues, you got to ante up. And the Reds have gotten a lot of money uh, lately from the, the TV deals. and all. I mean, they've got money. Uh, it's a billion-dollar corporation. How many teams do you think in Major League Baseball make the decisions and don't base them on money? Five? Probably. Probably. And we, we ain't one of them five. Right. But the Reds need to – that doesn't need to be the sole reason they don't go after a guy. If they get outbid on somebody, okay. I mean, you know, uh, if it starts – What get, you're saying is at least make an offer. I'm saying you need to be in the mix. You need to be trying to get the best pitchers available. And don't tell me that money's the reason why. Um, it may ultimately get to be a too pricey because it doesn't make sense in terms of uh, what the guy's going to provide on the field. But I just I, I I think they've got money to spend, and I'm, it's easy for me to spend Bob Castellini's money. But if you want to, if you can't, if you can't spend it, fine. You just sell the team. It's a you can sell it for over a billion dollars now, according to Forbes magazine. Sell it, take your money, move on, and sell it to someone that's willing to spend the money. And Castellini in the past has shown he's willing to spend money when the Reds were good. You know, he signed Joey Votto. He signed Homer Bailey. He signed uh, Brandon Phillips. I mean, he's they've, he's put out money when the Reds were ready to compete. So I'm saying do it now. That's, that's all I'm saying. Okay. Also sign that other guy I just mentioned. Nah, here he goes. All right. Are the, Re- are the Reds going to really go all in this offseason? No. I, I hope I hope we're both wrong. Oh my gosh! I think they. I, I know one other thing I want to ask you about. Let's hear it. On the on, again going back to the interview with Chris Welch because there was so much that was that Chris gave us at that interview that I, I wish you'd been on there with me. Two things that, that, that and they're both about Nick Senzel that that, that that really caught my attention. One is he said Senzel could play shortstop in a big. If Sinzel can play shortstop in the big leagues, Sinzel needs to be playing. And I like Jose Peraza. Uh, but, but the other thing he said was Sinzel could play center field. Oh, my gosh. Either of those change the calculus immensely about what the Reds can do going forward. You're right. I mean, you know, and, and I'm not sure I believed him when I, when I heard that on center field. But here's my problem. Why don't we know whether he can play center field or shortstop? There you go. Well, and we—I mean, we went on about this for what a half hour. Yeah, the last time we talked, I think a couple podcasts ago. Yeah. So I mean, let's not let's not bore everybody with the same old thing. But but just I to re- recap, what we said was why has why wasn't he playing center field and shortstop in the minor leagues all season long? There's no other than they don't have a plan. That's the only. Why wasn't he playing somewhere that you, you that you're trying to learn something right. about what he can do? Because they don't have a plan. That's the only real answer. Oh, that worries me. Yep. Bill, I feel good about this team until I talk to you. You drop truth bombs on me. Well, I, <laughs> let, let's let's talk about the one thing that, that and you wrote about this in Cincinnati Magazine. I guess it was last week about Michael Lorenzo. Uh, this this is something that fascinates me. Go ahead. Yeah. I don't know what you think. <laughs> Again, again, we're talking. Well, I-, I thought your idea, you know, figure out some way to, to, to see what this kid can do. 
He's only 26. He's pitching fairly well. Mm-hmm. And he's hitting very well with the limited at-bats he's got. Again, you've got two gaping holes in your outfield. Right. Why it, not throw him out there? Is it a stretch to think he can be a center fielder in the big leagues? Yes, probably at this point. He's not played in there in a while. But who cares? Why not try it? What do you have to lose? That was my that was my whole thing. What do you have to lose? Or throw him in a corner outfield. Yeah, give him a shot. Well, here's here's what I said in that piece. Um, the Athletic.com ran a poll of uh, big league players on a bunch of topics, and, and one of them was, um, aside from Shohei Otani of uh, the Angels, which pitcher could make it as a full-time hitter? And half of the big league players who resp- responded, half of them said, oh, yeah, Michael Lorenzen. By far, he was the uh, top choice. And, uh, you know, uh, at the time that that was run, he had three home runs and 12 plate appearances, won that big pinch hit grand slam. And and one of the, the other hits uh, that he had was a single, but it was the, the exit velocity on that single was 116.5 miles an hour, which is the highest, two things, the highest exit velocity ever recorded for any pitcher and the hardest hit ball ever recorded by any Reds hitter, period. Harder than any by Votto or Duvall or Suarez or Jeanette. And so, you know, career OPS plus of 110. And, and what, what I basically said was, I don't know. And it's a stretch, I agree. But, you know, when he was in college at Cal State Fullerton, uh, Lorenzen was a starter in center field for three years, All-American, uh, and hit fantastic. His, uh, his last year, 335 average, 412 slugging, or on base, 515 slugging, seven homers, led Cal State Fullerton uh, with 53 RBIs. And when he was uh, drafted, Every draft preview had him as a hitter. This is an outfielder on everyone. And every place that I could find, every draft profile I could find had him as, well, if he doesn't make it as a hitter, he does throw mid to upper 90s fastball. So that could be a backup plan. That was literally the word, backup plan. Yes, he's not hitting a while, and it's a long shot at this point. Man, what's the, in a year like this, and he says he wants to do it. He wants to be a two-way player. Why not try to get creative? If the Reds don't have the money, why not get creative? You know, try. Try something. Let him, uh, you know, start a couple days in the outfield uh, in between. Uh, you, know, you can still let him pitch on those days. If he's a reliever, move him in from left field or yeah. center field. That's my question. And, and can you tell me what's the downside to it? I, I have, I, I've got nothing here. I mean, especially now at this point, where you've got two gaping holes in your outfield. And, and that's not even counting the gaping hole that's Billy Hamilton. Oh, here we go. There he goes again. There I go again. <laughs> but is it, is, it, is it a long shot? Yeah. Who cares? The Reds aren't going to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, who are you? Uh, let's say you put him out there twice a week. Who are you taking, bat, who are you taking at bats away from? Mason Williams? <laughs> yeah, who cares? Yeah. I mean, the the Tampa Bay Rays did this experiment with bullpenning, starting a reliever. I don't know if that's going to work, but yep. they're trying things that are creative. The Rays have one of the guys in the minor leagues, uh, this, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, McKay, Brendan McKay, Brandon McKay, from uh, went to Louisville. Um, who's They're trying him as a two-way player in the, in the minor leagues right now. The Tampa Bay Rays understand that if you have, if you can't compete with the New York Yankees 
or the Chicago Cubs with on money, you got to be creative. You got to think outside the box, and that's what the Tampa Bay Rays do, and that's why they have been a better team than the Reds for the last ten years, every single year, uh, pretty much. And so, why not? Why not give it? A, you know, okay. If if the if you're scoffing at me and saying it could never work, I say, how do we know? Until they try it. I just don't the Reds have to think outside the box a little bit, Bill. I, this makes perfect sense to me. You know, and, and and I agree with you. Could he fall on his face? Yeah, he could. But what do you got to lose? I mean, uh, 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 you know, assuming the worst doesn't happen, that's it. He hurts himself. What he he doesn't hit? Well, you know, look look at where we are. <laughs> if you got one more guy that didn't hit, and it really isn't going to hurt you too much. And if it fails, he's still a good relief pitcher, <laughs> you yeah. know, with, with with possible starting upside, yeah, depending on who you want to believe. That's a different story, yeah. Yeah, that's a whole different story, you know. And it's it's why I think that they should have been trying it with uh, the dearly departed Hunter Green, um, who got injured obviously and is out for the year. But you know, he's a guy that was a shortstop and, and would have been drafted in the first round as a shortstop. And I just, I get maybe a little bit with him why you want to start him out, maybe not doing some of that. He's so young. He's so young. So young. And I get it. You know, you're trying to teach him how to pitch. Whatever. But, man, I just think teams like the Reds have to be creative. And the Tampa Bay Rays have understood that. And the Reds just don't. I thought we were going to talk about the Bengals. No. No, never. When they brought back Marvin Lewis, they lost me. Marvin Lewis, did they really bring him back? Yeah. Well, you know, Mikey Brown, he doesn't like to fire anybody. Yeah, the Bengals and the Reds. FC Cincinnati? I, I'm, I, I, yeah, they just, they're playing very well. <laughs> um, Before we uh, put the wraps on this one, I do want to talk about one guy that we've mentioned here and there, but I, um, I want to talk about Joey Votto. Who okay. you know, Ryan Madsen threw at him and he's hurt, but hopefully gonna be back soon. What what are your thoughts about Joey Votto's season right now? It's a sort of a strange strange season for Votto. A year after he finished barely missed winning the most valuable player award. Well, I think if you ask the average person, they'd say, Oh, Joey's having a terrible year. <laughs> I guess he is for Joey. For Joey, but that's a different standard. I mean, his OPS plus is 132. <laughs> Second best on the team. Yeah, and, and, and it's, I, I don't know. I guess he's not. Is he still leading the league in slug or in on base percentage? Yeah, yeah, 426. <clears throat> yeah, but so, it is. It hasn't been a Joey season. You know, he's only got nine home runs. Um, and, and that number's too low for playing in, in the ballpark he plays in. Yeah. Um, but he still played better than 90% of Major League Baseball. I don't think Cincinnati fans really understand what a special guy he still is. I, I guarantee you they don't. Yeah, and it's really sad because this I, is I yeah, this is a this is a, a talent that we may never see again. In Cincinnati, in our lifetimes, just and, and may end up being the best hitter in the history of this franchise. When, when he's done, he will be re- 
regarded by many or most or should be all. Yeah, but especially outside of Cincinnati, he will be. Is the, no, I'm talking about here. Is the, is the greatest hitter in the history of this ball club. Oh, you think that uh, Cincinnati will concede that? Cincinnati fans. Um, I mean, I think you're right that he will be. I think the smart ones will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. That's I don't just, know what that means. But. That's just you, Bill. No. Um, <laughs> I think it's a down year for him, but it's still a great year in a lot of ways. He's leaking on base percentage at age 34. It's going to be interesting to see what he does the rest of this season and next year to see whether or not this is indication of him aging, finally. He's held that aging curve off for a little while. Or I would not be one bit surprised if Joey Votto, being Joey Votto, really just sort of digs in and identifies where his weaknesses were and really comes back next year with a plan to improve across the board um, in specific ways he's going to accomplish that. But, you know, if he puts up this line every year that he's got this year, I'm okay with it. <laughs> you know, yes, please. Because we may never see a first baseman uh, for a long time that putting up the uh, the numbers that he's putting up, even this year I, in Cincinnati. I don't disagree. He, yeah, he's what is he fifth or something on the team in WAR? Yeah, I mean he's yeah fifth, fifth on the team in WAR. And the, the fact you know past Morgan, the fact we're even discussing how bad a year he's having. He's second on the team this year in WAR. Behind a guy who just should be in the MVP discussions, Eugenio Suarez. Yes, he should. God, and sometime next year, he'll pass Frank Robinson. Yeah. Gosh, Frank Robinson, Bill. That's an inner circle Hall of Famer. Yes, it is. It was a, he was, but he was an old 30. He was an old 30 when they traded him. Yeah. Yeah, Joey Votto's good. He's all right. He's all right. Well, we've about beat this one to death. Anything else in particular you want to talk about? Um, looking at my notes. No. I think, like you said, I think we beat it to death. Wait, you have notes? You're yeah. Pre- you're prepared? No, no, I didn't say I was prepared. I scribbled <laughs> some things down on paper. Um, oh, it, 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 at some point... We've got to figure out who's going to be the Reds manager next year. We'll have to do a poll or something. Yeah. I vote for me. Are you going to be the GM? Oh, yes. I'd be a wonderful general manager. (laughs) Just wonderful. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah, whatever. Well, yeah, well, we do need to talk about that then. Maybe that'd be a topic for a future podcast. But the thing is, I mean, you just don't know who candidates are going to be. You know, it's a tough one. Uh, but but we can talk about whether it should be, you know, Barry Larkin, for example. Yeah, and mm. I, I struggle with that. I, I really, I would really, I, I am such a big Barry fan. I know. I don't want him to. Reds fans always turn on their managers. I don't want it to be like that. Well, and the fact that he's, you know, he's never managed. And that's not to say, you know, he may be great. Yeah, he might be. Well, it's funny because, you know, you were saying about Riggleman earlier, you were saying he didn't all of a sudden learn how to manage. All right. I was looking who was I looking at? Was it maybe Joe Torrey yeah. as a manager? Yeah, he was not good. And he, and, he, and he wasn't ever really good until he got the Yankees. Until he got, you know, <laughs> Derek Jeter and, you know, yeah. So. And then you win, you know. 
four World Series and two other AL pennants, and, and, and your resume starts looking a little bit better. That's funny. That's true. I'll tell you who the Reds <laughs> need to uh, – I'm serious about this 100%. The Reds need to get, bring back Dusty Baker. You make my head hurt. <laughs> there he goes again. There he goes again. <laughs> All right, let's put a put a bow on this one. All right. Um, this is Red Lake Nation Radio, episode number 221. I'm Chad Dotson. He's Bill Lack. Uh, you can find us at Red Lake Nation on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C on Twitter. Bill is not on. He's on Twitter, at Bill Red Leg N. But hey, we got to get him back into the, the cesspool that is Twitter at some point. Um you can uh, subscribe to the podcast, and I wish you would. And I, I'm really appreciative of the fact that the subscription numbers go up every single week. And I uh, appreciate you guys talking about us, uh, leaving re- reviews, get more good reviews every week. Man, I really appreciate you guys doing that. I'm just, I'm, my, my heart is sort of uh, full with uh, with love for you guys. The way you've uh, been kind enough to talk about us, and as as we always say, if you like us, talk about us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Uh, exactly. Um, Redignation.com every day since 2005. We're going to keep going there, uh, talking about this crazy team, and we'll be back every single week talking about the Reds on Red, the Red Leg Nation radio podcast. Anything you have to say, Bill, before we finish up here? This is the retirement edition. <laughs> the retirement edition. Let's call it the Jim Riggleman retirement edition. How about that? There you go. All right. For Bill Lack, this is Chad Dotson saying, There he goes again. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.